This episode of Coronavirus Conversations is about family and domestic violence. Some of our discussion is confronting and may not be suitable for all listeners. It is not suitable for children. You're listening to a podcast from Services Australia. This is the second of two podcasts that look at family and relationship pressures that people may be feeling while living in a country affected by coronavirus. With the continuation of lockdown arrangements in Victoria and unstable employment and income affecting the country, relationships have been put under even more pressure than usual. If you haven't listened to it already, I'd highly recommend you listen to the first podcast looking at family relationships. It's called Coronavirus Conversations, Families Under Pressure. You can find it on our website at mediahub.servicesaustralia.gov.au or wherever you find your podcasts. This podcast will focus on people living with family and domestic violence. Services Australia has contact with many people in these situations, and we've seen an increase in people seeking out information about what help is available for them. We stand with other government departments and agencies, as well as community agencies, to support all Australians affected by family and domestic violence. Together, we stand against violence in any form. G'day, my name is Hank Jongen. I'm a General Manager with Services Australia. Today, I'm joined by social worker Andrea Mills to talk about the reality that is family and domestic violence and what help is available to keep Australians safe in their homes. Before we begin, I want to say that sometimes words or messages can cause sadness or distress or trigger traumatic memories for people, particularly survivors of past abuse, violence, or childhood trauma. If you need to talk to someone, support is available. You can call 1800 RESPECT or speak to a Services Australia social worker by calling 132850. So Andrea, thanks for joining us. Could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and I guess really why you work as a social worker for so Services Australia. Hi, Hank. Thanks for having me. Um, I've been working uh, as a social worker for Centrelink for 11 years and have been afforded many opportunities to practice social work in such areas as crisis intervention, collaboratively working with local um, domestic violence services, running a group for 10 years for women who have experienced violence. Um, I've been a student supervisor and provided support to people after natural disasters. Uh, such as the recent bushfires. Prior to working with Centrelink, um, I briefly worked with Wesley Mission um, in the homeless sector. And in my studies, I was fortunate enough to do a placement in Brazil working in the favelas and also did an amazing placement uh, in Melbourne with an organisation called Project Respect. I was really drawn to social work as it allows me to be myself and work in a field that complements who I am as a person. I 
don't know how I, I think social work really just chose me, you know, um, it chose me by virtue of all the social related things I was engaged in. But my overriding goal is to be a voice for people who otherwise um, may not be heard. Everyone deserves a safe home. Visit us at servicesaustralia.gov.au slash domestic violence or call 1800RESPECT for more information and help. Look, given your depth of experience, um, no doubt you'll have done a lot of work in helping people living with family and domestic violence. Um, can we just start with some of the basics? What do you mean when we say family and domestic violence? Um, thanks, Hank. Well, firstly, I'd just like to point out that family and domestic violence generally occurs as a pattern of behaviour and it's linked by power and control. And basically what this means is that a person within the relationship intentionally and deliberately rules by fear and suppresses another person's free will, intimidates, threatens as a way to have power and control over them. Another really important thing is that um, you know, family and domestic violence doesn't discriminate and it happens in many different types of relationships, including, you know, past and present, well, sorry, your current and or maybe past intimate relationship, as well as um, relationships involving carers, relatives, guardians um, and other kinship groups. So I think that's just a really important thing to know that it just, it affects everyone and anyone and can happen at any time in someone's life. Um, so there are many different types of abuse and some people may experience all these types of abuse and some people may experience some, you know, some abuse in, in their relationship. Some of the different types of abuse a person can experience includes threats, intimidation, verbal abuse, physical violence, emotional abuse, social abuse as well as economic, sexual, cultural and cyber abuse. This isn't a complete list and as I've said, people can experience any or all. Um, abuse relationships can show up in all sorts of ways. Thanks for that, Andrea. That's a really important reminder. Uh, we may have all heard the names, but what do these types of abusive relationships actually look like? Can you tell Tell us some more about them so we can understand what we're dealing with. And look, I'd like to provide a content warning. Sometimes people speaking about this topic can trigger memories for people, particularly survivors of past abuse, violence or trauma. If you prefer not to listen, please turn the volume down for a few minutes. So I guess one of the first ones to, that I'd like to point out are threats and intimidation. So this is really about, it's a, it's a real key element to domestic violence because it's about, it's, it's a real powerful way to control someone. Um, and these, these types of behaviours may include smashing things, destroying possessions, putting fists through walls, um, and even handling of weapons. Um, then we've got verbal abuse, and this is really aimed at destroying someone's sense of self, like who they are. And this includes types of behaviours like screaming and swearing, shouting, put downs, name calling, even using sarcasm and maybe, you know, destroying someone's belief about who they are. Um, physical violence, which can include behaviours like pushing, slapping, strangulation, hair pulling, punching, 
And um, it can also include the use of, um, you know, weapons such as guns and knives and other objects. Like anything can be a weapon in, in a house, if you could imagine that. Um, emotional abuse. So emotional abuse, this type of abuse is aimed at humiliating and degrading and demeaning um, an individual. Uh, it, it deliberately undermines someone's self-esteem and their confidence. I often hear in my work someone say that, you know, my partner has told me I'm crazy and I should be on, you know, some medication or, you know, in, um, you know, go and see a psychiatrist or they're told that they're bad mothers or that they're, you know, they're, they're stupid. So it's a really powerful um, weapon about emotional abuse. Then we have social abuse. So Social abuse is um, includes isolation. So when we look at isolation, this is when you when someone might prevent you from seeing your friends and your family, um, from having contact with maybe some um, like social groups that that you might be um, like if you might have liked to you may have been an artist and went to art class and things like that and all of a sudden you can't do anything. Um, also, we notice with um, social abuse as well that um, sometimes the person who uses violence, what they'll do is they'll put down your, your family members and a friends and what happens is that you slowly then disconnect from your, from your support networks. Um, we also have economic abuse. This is This type of abuse is really aimed at you know, the individual becomes financially dependent on, on the person who uses violence. And once again, it can look many different ways. It can be um, you might not have any access to your to your funds at all. Um, you might have to ask for um, an allowance. Um, everything and everything financially is controlled by that individual. You might be signing um your name over for debts and being directors of company and have no idea what, what you're actually signing. Um, or um, I often see a lot in my work as well, women being forced to claim a Centrelink payment, for example, um, when they're in a partnership or a relationship, and um, but they're, they're claiming it as, as a single person. And then we have sexual abuse. So sexual abuse is um, includes a range, a wide range of unwanted sexual behaviour. Um, it could be anything from um, being raped, being forced to perform um, sexual acts that cause you harm and are aimed at um, humiliating you. Um, and then we have cultural and spiritual abuse, which um, is, is used at what the perpetrator does is put you down around what you believe and pre may, may prevent you to, um, like, say, going to or practising your, your, your religion or, or spiritual beliefs. Um, there's some other uh, abuse as well. We've got controlling behaviours, separation violence, which is um, one of the probably one of the most um, uh, probably one of the most um, scary times for someone when they leave um, them at such risk of being harmed when 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 you leave a relationship stalking um, as well as cyber abuse which is becoming more and more prevalent in um, and we're seeing more and more people who use violence use the cyber world as a way to um, abuse their um, their partners or ex-partners. And um, I guess, as you can see, FTV is extremely complex and it affects so many different parts of, of an individual's life. Look, you've outlined uh, uh, a, 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 a large range of different scenarios. 
But it's also my understanding that one of the unfortunate aspects of all of this is that people may not even realise they're being abused. So are there any signs that someone should be looking for to see if they or someone they know is being abused? Yeah, that's right, um, Hank. It's it's a really common for, for people who, for example, maybe aren't experiencing physical violence in their relationship, that they're not identifying that, that they're in an abusive relationship. I actually see this quite a lot in my work. Um, I, I actually I had a woman honestly, just the other day who had been in a relationship for about 20 years and she experienced extreme financial and emotional abuse. And it wasn't until we sat down and we went through and we did some psychoeducation around abuse, those abuse that I just lined out. And she realized that, that she was in an abusive relationship, but her thinking was, I've never been hit. He's never hurt me. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't yell at me or so because there wasn't these violent, uh, there wasn't this violence in the relationship. She didn't, she didn't acknowledge, well, she didn't, she wasn't aware, sorry, that, that, that she was actually in an extremely controlling um, financial um, relationship and had been for um, 20 years. So it, I think it's just really important then to point out that domestic violence is, is not always physical and the psychological consequences of violence can be as serious as the, um, as the physical effects and can have just have significant impacts on the health and well-being of both the immediate, both immediate and long-term and continuing after um, a relationship ends as well. So, yeah, so some of the, the, the indicators can be, you know, maybe you've lost confidence and um, or you might see that someone's unusually quiet. Um, maybe someone, you might see that you're afraid of your partner like in a healthy relationship, you're not going to be afraid of your partner. So that's that's definitely an indicator that if you feel that you can't be your authentic self with someone or do something, then that's that's a real um, indicator. Um, you may you may notice, or you might stop seeing your friends and their family or family members. Um, you might notice that your partner criticizes you or humiliates you in public. Um, someone who controls you, who um, controls how much money you spend, what you wear, or who or who you can hang out with. Um, also things like you might see, hear someone talk about their partner has a bad temper or gets really jealous. Um, that there's that their partner pressures them into doing you know different kind of sexual activities also there might be some very obvious ones like bruises broken bones sprains or cuts um, and also where children are involved you might see that uh, they might be afraid of um, of the person who uses violence and might become quite withdrawn and, and anxious so Let's just imagine that I have a friend who's showing some of these indicators. Um, how can I help them? What exactly should I do to keep them safe? So domestic and family violence, people who experience this, there's a lot of there's a lot of shame and, and embarrassment that, that can go along with telling your story and telling someone what's happened to you. So one of the first things that I think is really important is to provide a safe space for someone to talk so where they feel that they can let you know what's happening for them um, and be sensitive to what they're going through as, as well. Um, 
And the other thing would be to get professional advice. Encourage your friend or your family member to seek out specialist um, domestic violence support agency. This to me is one of the most important things because if you if you say get support from someone or from a service that doesn't understand what you're going through, this could be a barrier in the future for, for, for getting support. Um, also, a re another really important um, point I'd like to make is don't push, don't push what you feel on onto someone. Like if you think that they should leave, um, they may not be ready to leave or it may not be safe for them to leave. So it's really about meeting the individual about where, where they're at, um, you know, because like I indicated before is that, you know, family and domestic violence is extremely complex. It's, um, you know, the the person who's experiencing violence can be, feel extremely unsafe. They can, they're very traumatised. It's a very stressful situation and having a safe haven or someone who supports them as a friend um, can be um, can be life saving for them. Uh, Andrea, I noticed there's a child in the background, which I guess shows that you're at work doing what you do. Absolutely, and that's right, Hank. <laughs> Never a uh, dull moment in office. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and look, a lot of what you're saying is about uh, offering practical help, isn't it? Like minding children taking care of a pet, cooking meals, that sort of be that sort of support. Absolutely. That that could be um, if safe could be definitely be a um, a godsend to someone who's experiencing family and domestic violence. Uh, because they might not have any of that support. As I said previously, isolation is a big part of a, you know, a tactic that someone who uses violence um, uses to, to keep an individual's world really, really small and to keep their power and control over them. So if, if you can keep in contact and connected to your friend or family member that is experiencing family and domestic violence, it could potentially save their life. Now, Andrea, I know we're going to talk about what it means to have to leave an abusive relationship, but it doesn't always have to come to that, does it? Um, I think we need to acknowledge that for someone's safety, there may well be times that they have to leave. But what resources are out there for people who can see the relationship might work if they can get help? There's a lot of support services out there that people can access um, around fleeing family and domestic violence. And there's also support services that can help you look more deeply at your relationship and further explore the relationship dynamics that, that you are in with you and the person who uses violence. One of the places that, that you can access a service like this is Relationships Australia. Um, Organisations like Relationships Australia can help you manage conflict better, work through the changes to keep the relationship healthy, but also you might be able to figure out is this, if this is the type of relationship that you want to stay in. And, and that really raises the issue of uh, staying safe because yeah. sometimes for a whole range of reasons, it's possible that someone who's a victim of domestic violence will be staying in that environment for a little while longer you know, till the time's right. Mm. What can we say to someone to help them stay safe while living with an abusive partner? 
Yeah, that's right, Hank. Some some people think it should be really easy for someone to leave a relationship where domestic violence is happening. The truth is, it is much harder to leave an abusive relationship than a non-abusive relationship. Some experiencing violence um, may, may choose not to leave the relationship because it's the safer option to stay. So it's really important to have a safety plan to um, assist, you know, to assist you, uh, and if you have children, your children as well, to st you know, to stay safe. So safety is always at the centre of of every intervention. Um, so. When you create a safety plan, it's really just practical ways to to have practical supports that you're aware of that you will put in place when um, when maybe a, a violent incident starts to happen. So things can be quite quite simple, like keeping um, essential items um, where you can easily get them. Essential items are things like maybe passport, marriage certificate. Bank, um, bank documents, things that might be a bit difficult to um, get once you once you leave. Often, um, people who use violence will not freely hand over your personal your personal documentation. So, um, having those uh, in a safe place. Um, sometimes I've worked with women and they will leave those types of documentation with with a friend or with a family member. Um, they'll take copies of them. Um, and, and have them um, and, and, and leave them at a friend's place. Um, have access to a phone where, where possible um, or know where the closest um, payphone is. And if you are in danger, um, call triple, you know, call triple zero. Um, have a code with someone you trust um, uh, so they know that to, to call the police. And I guess that means that that could be a text message that you send to someone and it could just be a word. And then they know that family member or friend knows that you're not safe and they need to call the police to go to your house. Um, you could also um, let a trusted friend, family member, um, even a neighbour know of your safety plan. Um, teach your children how to get help. That's another really, um, that's another part of a safety plan. Also to let the children know not to get involved in, in the violence as well. Um, identifying safe areas in, in your house is, is another um, part of a safety plan where you can, where there's no weapons such as, you know, moving an argument or a um, potential violence incident out of a kitchen maybe into a um, in, into a, a lounge room, for, for example. Um, also, practicing your safety plan as, as well is, is really important. And the other things to be aware of with safety plan is, is as your circumstances change, so will your safety plan. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that you engage with a service that, uh, like a domestic violence service that understands and knows how to support you to um, with, with your situation and your safety plan. So this idea of recognising and providing support to an individual, uh, I guess what it lays you open to is accusations of interfering and potentially even uh, some danger to yourself. Absolutely, Hank. And I think that is often why um, we, we often why people may, may pull away or the person who is experiencing violence may, may pull away because it's not safe for them. It's not safe at that point to have family members involved or have friendships, you know, friends involved. 
um, in you know in their life because they know the they know the real danger if they were to say tell you what was going on with them and the perp and the person who uses violence sorry found found out um, that that could be that they could turn up at your doorstep they could start abusing you because um, these people you know the very real risk is that you know people um, lose their lives in domestic and family violence sit like situations and um, a, another point to make is that sometimes when we're supporting someone who's going through family and domestic violence is that we can get fatigued because we can't understand um, why they're not just leaving or why they keep going back to this person who hurts them and harms them so much and it can be a it, it can be it can be really, really devastating for the person who is experiencing violence because they start losing friendships and, and connections and their world becomes even smaller and they don't have those connections there to help them. Services Australia is working with other government and community organisations to help people who are living with violence and abuse. Together, we stand against violence in any form. If you need support from Services Australia, please call us on 132 850 to speak to one of our social workers. So, Andrea, let's talk about the help that is available. If someone is thinking about leaving their home, where can they go to find help and someone to talk to? Well, firstly, if you or someone else is in danger or have been threatened, physically hurt or sexually assaulted, call triple zero first immediately. Um, secondly, if you are experiencing domestic violence, getting the right support to be safe is the most important thing. I know I've said that before, but I can't stress it enough. Um, some key contacts which are free, confidential and provide support and information um, and referrals are services like 1800RESPECT, um, which is 24 hours, seven days a week. DV Connect, which is another great service. Um, it's also called Women's Line in, um, depending on the state that you're in or territory. It's once again, it's a 24 hour, seven day a week service and provide um, all the information and supports that an individual who is wanting to um, leave a relationship or needs just might need to talk about what their options are. Um, we also have men's line as well and we have kids helpline for um, young, you know, young people who are going through family and domestic violence. There's also some apps. So if it's safe for you to have apps on your phone, there are some free apps such as Daisy and um, Sunny, which is for people with disabilities. Um, and there's also a great website, which is called um, Ask Izzy. It's free and an anonymous way to find national and local supports that, that you can link into. Um, so there is a wealth of information out there, I think, around um, domestic and family violence, but they're just some key services that I'd like to point out. Thanks. Um, but what about if you have to go? You just have to grab the kids, grab what you can and leave. Where can someone go then? Uh, you know, who do they talk to under those circumstances? Yeah. So as I um as I just pointed out before, we do have those great services like DV Connect um, and um, one eight hundred Respect and Men's Line. 
But here at the um, at Services Australia, we also have um, social workers who offer um, a great service. We're very well trained in family and domestic violence, and we can offer great support to people who have who have left um, a relationship or even thinking about leaving a relationship, or anyone at any stage of of their. Um, of their journey with domestic and family violence. And the, the support is very practical. It's crisis intervention and it can, and it is really aimed at, at the person and supporting them from a non-judgmental point of view, um, which is really, really important. Because as I highlighted before, there's a lot of shame and embarrassment that, that, that often um, people who experience domestic and family violence feel. So if, if you were to engage with, um, with, with our social workers, you can, you can expect a great response, a response that can look at um, really what, what your needs are at, at that point in, in time. Um, it's, a, it's a real collaborative response as well. I recently was, was working with a young woman who um, who came up from from New South Wales, and she, because of the danger she was in in um, in in her area, so she relo relocated up here. I actually was a referral from a from another social worker who had completed a crisis payment for her, and. Um, my um, my role in 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 this intervention or in in this referral was to link her in and support her to re-establish herself, to stabilise her situation, and ensure that that she was linked in with the right supports. To um, and it was all around safety. So we worked closely with the police, closely with um, with youth services. She was very young; she was only 21 years old. Um, closely with the courts as well, ensuring her safety and um, and all this was done from this collaborative space because that's another point I'd like to make is that because of the complexities of d domestic and family violence, it's just not one service that can do it all. We all have to work together and, and address, you know, uh, address this issue and support the individual going through, um, go going through the violence. Um, so if you want to... Um, speak to a social worker at Services Australia, you can um, call Centrelink and contact us on 132850 and ask to speak to um, speak to a social worker. We've also got community engagement officers as well that can um, that can help. Our community engagement officers have have a real tailored approach to um, and are linked into key services within our community, such as the you know, the refuges, family and domestic violence services. And um, and once again, it's that collaborative approach that's supporting, supporting services, supporting the individual to ensure that it is wrapped around and everyone's getting the best service possible. Mm. And, and look, you've made reference to Services Australia. Of course, one of the important aspects that we provide is financial support at a time when you need it. And mm. um, I guess really, you know, the best way to find out what financial support is available is, of course, first you can go to our website, servicesaustralia.gov.au, and look for Payment and Services Finder. If you just do a search Payment Finder, it'll take you to a button where, by after answering a few questions, you can get some guidance as to what you may be eligible for. You've already made reference to our social workers. They're an obvious conjured. But you know what? Any customer service officer, uh, our staff are actually trained 
to assist and refer customers affected by family and domestic violence. It's part of their training. Uh, and of course, they will then link you in in the same way. But look, Andrea, what other types of financial assistance services uh, are available? Yes, so when, when we're in a crisis, social workers um, do assess what we call crisis payments. So we have, in regards to family and domestic violence, there's three types of crisis payments that, that we assess. They are um, a stay-at-home crisis payment, left home and perpetrator crisis payment. All these crisis payments come from a framework of safety and keeping everyone who um, involved in applying for that payment safe. And that type of payment, if eligible for it, can support someone to get new locks on the doors if they're to stay home or to, um, you, you know, pay for um, some accommodation if they had to leave their, their home quickly or in regards to a perpetrator, ensure that the perpetrator is safe in some accommodation so they don't go back um, to the home that they have been um, ousted from. The other thing that's really important is that they, someone might have access to an advance payment, which is essentially like a like a loan that that you pay off um, once you once you get it. So that could also um, support someone to stabilise their, their their situation as well if they're eligible for that. Uh, and I think another thing to point out is that. As your circumstances change and you're, you might leave relationships or leaving homes and, and, um, uh, and care of children, it's really important that you engage with us so we can ensure that you're getting the right payment for your situation. Um, things like rent assistance, making sure that your family tax benefit is, is correct. We can look at exemptions from taking child support because, as we know, child support can be a a huge trigger for, for, for perpetrators, people who use violence, sorry, um, um, to, to use that against, um, use that against the, um, the, the person who's experiencing violence. Andrea, if you had a message, one message to give victims of family and domestic violence, what would it be? It would be, I have several, but it would be everyone deserves to be safe and no one deserves to be abused and, and affected by family and domestic violence. And on the and there's another thing that I really like to point out is that I've worked with so many um, women in my time, and although um, you know things can be really challenging and overwhelming for them, many women have been able to leave abusive relationships and go on to live safe, happy, you know, fulfilling lives for themselves and their children. So I think that's important too. If you or someone you know is in danger or is being threatened, physically hurt or sexually assaulted, call triple zero. I'm very conscious of the fact that this has been a graphic and challenging discussion. If this podcast raises any issues for you, remember help and advice is available from our social workers. The number is 132850. Until next time, I'm Hank Jongen. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to a podcast from Services Australia. For more information, visit servicesaustralia.gov.au.